I am doing something that uh, I kind of question myself about. I'm bringing a key a visionary message on a day when I know that a lot of people will be away. But I'm doing it anyway because we only have three Sundays until the special renewal meetings that will be taking place here starting on the 20th. And so what I'll do is encourage the rest of the congregation to listen to this online. And I also plan to make some CD copies for those that uh, would prefer that. It's very important that the whole church um, connects with what we'll be saying here today. Uh, so uh, you can put the first slide up uh, there, Chris. Uh, I'm calling this, and this is going to be, these notes will be published. In fact, what I'm doing this morning is quoting f- directly from my notes in, in all of these slides that are that you'll be seeing. <clears throat> this uh, message started to come together in my mind several weeks ago. I just started to take, uh, focusing on the renewal meetings that were coming up and the vision for the church, where the church is going, and, uh, and things that God wants to do in the church and things that we need to do in response to the will of God. So this message is very much a part of that. And so it's called Shift 2019, Our Renewed Vision. So you have to have a renewal of vision every once in a while, right? I mean, we need that personally in our lives, not just for spiritual things, but for everything. It can be about our careers, our homes, our, uh, our families. Um, we need to renew our vision of what our life is about, where it's going, and what our objectives are. And for the church, part of that and an essential part of that is that each member of the church needs to know their role in the church and then fulfill that role in the will of God. So that's partly what this message is about this morning, and it'll be continued throughout, actually, in the foreseeable future. The the scripture text uh, that I'm quoting, I'm only quoting it in part, and I will be quoting the rest of the text in uh, subsequent messages, but it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, and I'm actually picking it up partway through verse 15, where it says, We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I'm going to get you to read that with me. It's a full statement. It's absolutely pregnant with meaning. It has just uh, so much to say to us and so much for us to respond to. So read it with me, will you? We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. 
Now, I have read that scripture over and over and over again in the last number of weeks. And as I do, I start to I see various individuals in the church. I see our children, our youth, our young adults, our seniors. I, I plan to share something with our seniors this coming uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday at the uh, fellowship time that we're having about new roles for them in the church. Because I believe God is shifting us in many aspects of our, of our Christian or of our, our church life here at CFC. Now, uh, number three, uh, Chris, the word shift, and this is taken right out of my notes, it has many meanings. It can, be, it can describe a, a work shift. You know, I just punched the night shift, somebody might say. I had an eight-hour shift or a 12-hour shift. It can mean that you shift your body, like I can put my weight on my left foot or I can shift it over to the right foot. Uh, it can mean any of these kinds of things. It can be a, sh a shift in the direction of the wind. Right now there's a huge hurricane that's coming up uh, through the Caribbeans and all the different trajectories of where it might go. And I, I heard this morning that there's 18 possibilities that uh, those who track storms have, have uh, issued as possible tracks of the storm. So nobody knows just how it's going to shift back and forth. So shifting happens all the time. If you have a standard car, you shift gears manually. If you have an automatic transmission, it shifts for you as you put your foot on the gasoline pedal. So there's shifting that happens all around us. But the shift that we're talking about, and number four, is primarily spiritual in nature. And it involves at least three things. It, it involves resetting of our commitment of commitment priorities. In other words, what do you commit your time to, your thoughts to, your energy to, your life to? You don't want to be 100% living in the church all the time, but what about the commitment that you have and that I have and that we collectively as a church has to the church, to the body? And uh, I believe God is going to call us, each of us, to reset some things. Are you open to that? Huh? Are you? Yes. Okay. And secondly... A renewed passion for worship. And I don't just mean by that singing or the worship service as we call it. But it's more than that. Worship is much more than standing and singing songs and having a worship team lead us. Worship is what we value. And so when we come together as a worship team and the worship team leads us, we are valuing the Lord. We are honoring him. We are extolling him. But worship involves much more than that. And we need to ascribe worth to the things that deserve that ascription. We need to give ourselves over to those things that have value as God has stated, the worth of those things. 
And third, we need to have a renewed zeal for reaching the lost. And I have felt this deeply in my own heart and spirit over the last number of weeks of how much do I even pray for the lost? How much do I really extend myself out to reach the lost? Uh, my, my work is in evangelism. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor, but he said to him, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So evangelism is work, and it requires pastors to be involved in the work of evangelism. And that means more than just giving an altar call at the end of a service for people to accept Christ. But it, it's a focus. It's something that we need to uh, give ourselves over to as a church. Not exclusively. It's not the only thing we do. We need to also focus on maturity and growth. But to have a renewed passion for evangelism is very important. Now, if you come, I'm just going to read the verse again. Um, it says in verse 15, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Uh, so one of the things that we need to focus on as part of a shift for our church is growth. And that's number five, Chris. Growing to become, not necessarily growing in numbers. That is something the Lord does. The Lord adds to the church every day, the Bible says, and at least it did in Acts chapter 2, those that were being saved. But the church by that time had matured, even though it had just been born. It had matured to the point where the Holy Spirit's anointing was so rich upon them, it, it, it caused all who were living in the city of Jerusalem at the time to come to listen, to hear what was happening. And to try to figure it out. And that great sermon that Peter preached on the day the church was born, the day the Holy Spirit descended upon the church, that, that sermon became a prototype of what the message of the gospel is to a lost world. And so we need to grow to become the mature body of Christ, filled with the Spirit and anointed by the Spirit. My notes say this, it is spiritually dangerous to stop growing. To do so is complacent, is stagnation, and acceptance of the status quo. I wrote that this week, and I, I just felt so challenged. For our church, do we need to start moving individually and as a people, or have we stagnated in our faith, in our outlook, and, and in what it is that we are becoming? You see, uh, growth is a process. Becoming is the result. It's who we are. And that who we are never stops growing. It never comes to a point of absolute maturity because Jesus is the only absolute mature one. But we grow into him. It's a process that helps us to become. And it's not limited to just a few aspects of spiritual life. But as the text states, we will grow to become in 
every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Every respect. So we don't want to just be focused on one thing and at the expense of another. Uh, we don't want to just be become unbalanced in the things that we pursue spiritually. We want to we want to be circumspect. In other words, be completely enveloped by the Holy Spirit in the processes of growth that help us to become, in every respect, the mature body of Christ. And you say, well, Pastor, what are what are all those respects? Well, I guess. You've got to go to the Bible to find that out because almost every verse in the Bible will challenge you about some things uh, that we need to grow in. Well, maybe not every verse, but uh, passages and the whole concept of understanding the Scriptures and what the Scriptures teach, the wisdom of God that flows out of His Word. We need to grow in every respect. Let's talk about the mature body. Uh, and this is number six. Maturity is a state of being. Growth is a process. And, and that state of being is not stagnant. It's constantly evolving as we grow in spirituality, as we grow into Christ. So uh, I, I looked up on to what others were saying, and, and this is actually the only quote in my notes from someone else, but uh, this is uh, from a, a person by the name of Kim Martinez who writes for uh, Ministries Today magazine. And she wrote this uh, spirituality test. And there's four questions that she asks. And when you, the notes, if you want to copy the notes, they'll be made available next week. And uh, the, the link to the uh, site the website is there so you can look at the full article of what she's written. But I, I chose this because it's very central to what we're trying to say right now in the church. Number one, do you know what ministry Christ has gifted you for? Can you define it? Because not all of us have the same gifts. When you read 1 Corinthians uh, about the body of Christ of what the body of Christ looks like and how it functions and how each of us are a part of the body. And so we can't all be the left thumb. Uh, we can't all be the right foot. Uh, we need every, physically and in the natural world, we need every part of our body to function. And if one part of the body doesn't function well, then it impedes the whole body. I'm having problems with my knees. And uh, the doctor says I need to have surgery at some point. Uh, and I think of what I could do if I didn't have that problem. And what would it be like for me uh, if, I, if I didn't have the problems with my knees? And you know what? I'd be enrolling in hockey this fall. I would. There's lots of people my age, uh, 45 and up, who play hockey. And uh, I would just love to be able to put the skates on and take the hockey stick and go on the ice again. 
I may not be as fast as I once was, not that I was ever very fast in the first place, but I did enjoy playing hockey. And there's not, it's not just that, it's other things that I would like to do. Uh, some of the activities this summer with the children and the teens that were, oh, I just wanted to do more than I could do. But I'm impeded because one part of my body isn't functioning as it should. And so when in the church, members of the body are not functioning as they should, it starts to slow down the process of growth and causes the entire church to be affected by that. And so one of the things that we really need to see happen in the church is a commitment to finding our gifts and operating those gifts as God intends. Number two, how does doing ministry help you become more like Christ? If doing ministry is just activity, then it's falling short of its purpose. But if the ministry that God has gifted you with causes you to be more like him, to draw from him, to extract from him his wisdom and his word and his grace, his life, then that ministry takes on the kind of purpose and meaning that it should have. Number three, how does it sew the body, that is the church, together when everyone does the jobs they are gifted for? Wow. <laughs> I think sometimes, and I, and I rejoice for this church for what it is, for how it functions, for the love, for all the good things that are here in this church, and there are many. But then I start to focus, too, on what could we be if, every, if we could harness all of the spiritual energy that God is just not has poured out but longs to pour out upon the church. And, and I just get excited. I really do. When I think about what it could be. This coming Wednesday, I'm going to be meeting with the teens and I'm going to talk to them about vision. Vision for them that I feel is going to take them into a totally different level of spirituality and ministry. One of the things that's so vital to the growth of the church is not just ministering to kids, whether they be young in our Sunday school or teens in high school or uh, junior high, not just ministering to them, but raising them up to minister in the gifts that God calls them. Because if they don't ask the question when they're a child, when they're a teen, what is my gift? How does it function in, in, in causing me to become more mature, to be more like Jesus? How does it help the full church, not just the youth group or the Sunday school, but the entire church? What is my role in the whole body? Very easy to have a youth group that runs parallel to the main church and never really cross over into a, the kind of integrated entity that God designs the church to be. So those are some of the things that we need to focus on. Number four, 
What evidence of spiritual maturity do you see in your life? Where is God still working? Well, there's a loaded question. Because for me, and I think you would admit for you, he's working in every area. I haven't arrived in any area. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I pray, but do I pray enough? I read my word, the word of God, but do I do it enough? I, I, all of the different things that we do, but are we functioning in them to the degree that we should? And if I find myself sacrificing essential things in order to focus on one thing, then my focus is out of balance. So the time spent for work, for business, for family, for evangelism should never, never take play, take the place uh, of something we just focus on in a, a uni fashion, just one thing. Are you relating to this? Are there areas in your life that God is speaking to you about this morning, about maturing, about integrating? <laughs> As you read the scripture, it says that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so the, the quest when it's all said and done, and this is number seven, Chris, is to be like Jesus. It's maturing is not about organizational uh, organizational efficiency. It's not just being well. Let's be well organized. Let's have every everything just functioning in such a wonderfully organized fashion. That is important. It's much more than just a group of people uh, relating to each other in a healthy way uh, with respect and with concern for one another. Those are certainly signs of maturity, but you can have that in a secular setting. You can have a business that's well organized and and, uh, there's great relationship between management and staff and there's a constant flow of respect and and mutual concern and and, uh, and giving oneself over to the purposes of the company you're working for and and doing the best you possibly can for that company to succeed. So you can have that same dynamic in, in the world. You can have it on a football team, a baseball team, a hockey team, everybody working together functionally in order to achieve a championship. But a church is so much more. A truly mature church recognizes and practices the headship of Jesus. He is the head. He is the head. With Jesus As our Lord, the Lord of each member, and that simply means that if every one of us are totally committed to the Lordship of Christ, the result is a body of people that reflect his nature in every possible way. So who we become is not CFC as a group of people 
who we come is CFC is a group of people with Jesus at its head. And what people see is not just a group, but they see Jesus. What was the song that you folks sang about this morning? Uh, that chorus at the end? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Beautiful old chorus. Um, look full in his wonderful face. The things of, of this world, the things that we give priority to at the expense of our submission to him, well, those start to fall off. They become strangely dim, as the song says, in the light of his glory and grace. Our worship, our witness, our love, devotion, and care for each other will be reflections and manifestations of Jesus, always and in every way, without exception. We grow into him who is the head. Wow. And how do we do that? <laughs> well, it's not just mind over matter. You can go to the next uh, slide, slide number eight. Jesus is the source of our growth. You can't do this on your own. You need Jesus. And he calls us uh, to him through some specific ways. And I've just listed these ways uh, as they occurred to me, but I'm sure there's more. But I've put prayer at the top of the list. Prayer, personal and corporate. One of the things that for sure has happened in this church is the loss of emphasis on corporate prayer. And for some people, it's uh, the reasons are practical. If you're living in another town, it's hard for you to get here for prayer meetings. But maybe we could find a way to do online prayer meetings. And that's one of the things I see for the future. We need personal prayer. We need corporate prayer. We need the Bible. We, Jesus is the living word, and he speaks to us through the written word. So understanding the Bible, to understand it, to be taught the scriptures, it's one of the main functions of the fivefold ministries, is to teach the word of God. So we need personal study, and we need corporate study. And I believe there's going to be a shift in our emphasis on that in our church. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit personally, receiving from other believers as they are gifted to impact your life with the gifts that the Spirit has given them. And if you notice, those three things are the were the emphasis of the vision statement that we issued at the beginning of the year. Prayer, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. And then things like meditation. Thinking God's thoughts. That's what meditation means. Meditation isn't just getting into some kind of strange position and shutting out the world and, and just getting to some sort of uh, trance. No, that's not meditation. That might be a, an imitation or a, a fabrication of what true meditation is. 
But meditation is thinking God's thoughts. How do you do that? Well, you read the word of God. This word of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, God said to Joshua. But you shall meditate in it day and night. And then you will have good success. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but the only promise for good success in the Bible is related to meditation. Service to others. How can you, how can you really uh, uh, be in tune with Jesus and not love and serve others in the body and in the world? Like, like Jesus uh, loves us, he forgives us, he cares for us, he supports us, he undergirds us, he crowns us, he blesses us. Those are the things that flow out from the heart of Jesus to, to his church. And to really grow into his headship naturally will result in service to others in keeping with the way Jesus serves us and ministers to us. So in the church, it's our time, our talent, our tithes. All of these are important things, and there's lots others of other things besides. Prayer, operating in the gifts of the Spirit for the benefit of somebody else, praying for the sick like we're going to do for Genesis in just a few minutes. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's take the last part of that. And uh, it's the ninth slide. And it, it's I just called it the evidence. How do you know that the church is a is a mature church. Well, all of these words that you see listed up here were taken right from that passage. From the whole body joined, it's the first one, held together, the second one, uh, by every supporting ligament. So supporting grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let's look at those. Joined. Does that mean we come to church on Sunday morning and we all sing the same songs, we all shake hands, we all listen to the same sermon, we all pray the same prayers and we go home? Well, yeah, that, that may be a part of it for sure. But being joined is much more than that. Being joined is to have the same feelings towards your brother and sister in the church as you have for your own natural family. How many people in the church worry about things? Do I have enough money? What about my health? Is my health going to be okay? And, and, and Jesus said, which of you, by worrying, can add one small fraction of height to your stature? And nobody can. So don't worry. Because fear is not a faith. Well, what about the person in the church who's got anxiety and stress? And do you have a responsibility to help that person? Do I? Yes, we do. Why? Because we're joined. 
What about the person who's struggling with finances for whatever reason? Do we have a responsibility to reach out and help when we can? What about just supporting a marriage that's in trouble where husband and wife are not getting along together, yet they're a part of the body of Christ? Do we have a responsibility? Just because we're a maturing church does not mean we don't have problems. In fact, the, the, the willingness of a church to address the problems that are there is a sign of maturity. We're held together. How many churches have split? And the causes of splits are always rooted in a lack of maturity. The evidence of maturity is that we are held together. We are in unity. Supporting one another, the scripture, uh, we become supporting ligaments. A ligament is not like a bone. A ligament has some flexibility to it. And so we are sacrificing and caring for others. And we're not rigid about our approach, but we join ourselves, connecting parts of the body. We build It builds itself up. It's an act of unceasing effort based on the wisdom of the Word and the power of the Spirit of God. Love builds itself up in love. The text says, God is love. The nature of the Most High is defined in those words in the Bible. God is love. The world's definition of love that excludes God in his entirety is a fabrication. It's it's a counterfeit. But love, we build ourselves up in the love of God that is absolute and pure and undefiled. And we receive from that love and we disseminate it to others in the body. And then finally, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Whew! There's lots of work to do. Man, there's lots of work to do. The functioning of a church is demanding work-wise. Well, Pastor, I'd rather just pray for the sick and see them healed and and that would be my ministry. You asked about what is my ministry in the body of Christ, and, uh, and, and well, that's it. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, those are my callings. I just want to be up front center and doing this and that. What about the toilets when they need cleaned, or the grass, or the, the property when it needs people to come and help fix it up and pick up the, the things at the end of the winter and rake the leaves and all of those things. Those are just some practical ways in which the church is involved in work. And we need to be wise in in this and not overdo ourselves to the expense of other things we should do, but at the same time, not sit back and say, let somebody else do it. There's work that needs to be done. 